1: Welcome to the pastor's study. My guess is that there are probably many people watching this show and you've had an ailment, a disease maybe, for years and you've cried out please heal me God and you still got it. What's going on? Or maybe you're in a miserable marriage and you have prayed God please heal my marriage it's still bad. Or maybe you've got an addiction and you have cried out God help me get free from this and you're still addicted. What is going on? Well, I don't claim to have all the answers to this, but we're going to look at a healing from the New Testament, and we're going to learn sometimes there is a step that God wants you to take in order to be healed. So would you take out your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 9, and let us look on how you can receive healing. John chapter 9. Let's pray first. Father, we want to pray for anyone who is suffering right now in any form that you will show us, Lord Jesus, how to receive your healing. Open our ears and our our hearts. Open my mouth. And Lord, we ask you to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 9, starting at verse 1. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Here's the first lesson today. See the need. Jesus took time to see the blind man. You know, some of us, like me, are what are called Type A personalities. We're very busy all the time. We tend to be goal-oriented rather than people-oriented. and uh, So uh, we're very busy. I mean, when I was a kid, Tommy, you've got ants in your pants. So I'm kind of goal-oriented. If I'm working on my sermon and you stop in and want to talk to me for an hour, part of me inside is going, could you get out of my office so I can get my sermon done? But what I I learned from Jesus here is, and I have to pray this in the morning, God, help me this day to be open to your interruptions. Help me be people-oriented and not goal-oriented. I think Jesus was very people-oriented. Next verse, Jesus sees the blind man, verse 2, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, or teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Here's the next lesson. Sometimes there is a connection between sin and sickness. Very popular in the first century Judaism was the belief that if you're sick, you must have sinned somewhere. That's not true. Jesus is going to correct that in the next verse, but there's some truth to it. For instance, if I get drunk tonight and have a hangover the next morning, there's a connection between my sin and my sickness if I have sex outside of marriage and end up with venereal disease there's a connection between my sin and my sickness if I get drunk a lot and just drink 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 and I get cirrhosis of the liver there's a connection between my sin and my sickness so sometimes sometimes when you sin it does make you sick but let me say this Somebody told me a few years ago, remember when Katrina, the hurricane, hit New Orleans? And this man was thinking of giving donations to the people down there. But he says to me, But then I rethought it. You know, maybe God is punishing New Orleans for its wickedness, so maybe I shouldn't give. And I said, Give. I, I'm not saying Katrina was punishment, but even if it was, God always mixes his judgment with his mercy. I mean, Even if somebody is suffering because they sinned, you still show them the mercy of God. That's what Jesus did. I mean, the worst place I've ever been in my life was Calcutta, India. I was there on a mission trip. I've never seen such poverty. What I was told, nobody was picking those people off the street until Mother Teresa showed up because in Hinduism if you're suffering that's karma you're getting bad karma payback from a previous life so in Hinduism you don't help them they're getting their karma and it wasn't until Mother Teresa comes over that she starts picking these poor people up my my point is even if somebody is suffering because they were stupid and they sinned you still show them the mercy of God so the point here is sometimes there is a connection Between suffering and sin but look at the next verse verse 3 Jesus answered it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him here's the next lesson but not always it's not always true that if you're sick it's because you sinned beware of TV preachers Beware of churches and beware of pastors who teach, if you're sick, something's wrong with your faith. You don't have enough faith or you must have sinned somewhere. Jesus is saying in John chapter 9, absolutely not. I mean, I can remember ministering to this Christian man in the wheelchair, and he was crying. And He said, Pastor Brock, I went to this meeting and these people were praying over me, you know, uh, praying for healing. And they said to me, if I had faith in Jesus, I'd be able to get up and walk out of this chair. And he said, Pastor Brock, I do have faith in Jesus. And I said, I believe you. Sometimes there's a connection with sin, if if you're sick. But Jesus says in John chapter nine, by no means always. Verse 3, But it, this disease, was so that the works of God might be displayed in him, in this sick man. Here's the big point. Some sickness is for the glory of God. This man was born blind, Jesus heals him, and people praise God. And it says later in this text, it's never been known in the history of the world for a man who was born blind to be healed. In other words, this big miracle could not have happened had the man not been born blind. And, and I, I, I think kind of the way it works is God lets you get sick. So you get prayer from people, and then he heals you, and then a lot of people praise you, praise the Lord. I mean, I can think of a dear Christian woman who had all these tumors in her lungs. The doctor pretty much said it's over. We had a prayer time at our church, we anointed her with oil, we laid our hands, we prayed for her. She goes back to the doctor, he was amazed the tumors were gone. She lived years after that. But here's what happened, some disease is for the glory of God. You get sick, you cry out to God for healing, He heals you, and you praise Him. In the last six months or so, I've had neck pain and lower back pain, and you know I've had this now and then, but this has been for months. Finally, I went up, I went to the pastor, I said, could you get an elder and can we do James chapter 5, that if you're sick, let the elders pray and anoint you with oil. So I went to the altar, they put the oil on my head, they laid their hands, they prayed for me. I'm fine. The neck pain is 100% gone. The, the back pain is almost 100% gone after having to deal with that. But again, some sickness is for the glory of God to get you close to God, to give you a healing so people will praise God. Sometimes even death is for the glory of God. Here's a seven-year-old boy, Christian little boy in this small town. He would talk to anybody about Jesus. Then he gets a terminal illness, and I, I, know the, the, I knew the woman that, that went to this funeral. She said when the little boy died, the church was packed with people that went to church and who didn't go to church. And the pastor gets up and says, you know, Jimmy told me, make sure to have an altar call at my funeral. And if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, this is the time to do it. This woman said people went forward. People got saved at that funeral. So my point is, sickness, even death. And you know. God can use sickness and death to bring Him glory, and that's okay, isn't it? You gotta die anyway. Might as well die for the glory of God. Look at verse 4. We must work the works of Him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Here's the next lesson. Serve God while you can. Night is coming when no one can work. I have a friend who's a pastor and he and some of the Bible school students got chainsaws, went into the neighborhood, and cut down all the dead trees. And that was their service to the community. And he said, I came home that night so hot, so sweaty, so tired. But then he said, but you know there's a day coming when you can't get sweaty for the Lord anymore. Serve the Lord while you can. I thought of my dad. My dad was a, an important man in Omaha, Nebraska. When he died, his picture was on the front page of the Omaha newspaper. He ran what was called Xarban, this big charitable organization, lots of beautiful buildings, auditorium, horse race track. all the money went to nonprofits. So my dad was kind of a big deal. but he was such a workaholic that his family suffered, and I think his relationship with God suffered. well. Now, a few years ago, exarban every building was totally torn down. If you go to Omaha now, it's a shopping center where Exarban used to be. And I thought to myself, Dad, you live for the wrong thing. And the purpose of this verse is serve the Lord while you can, while there's still time to serve Him. And I thought of my mom. My mom lived to be 83 years old. I believe she's a Christian woman who's in heaven right now. But what was sad about my mom, she spent her last years doing two things, watching TV and reading romance novels. No service that I knew of at all to the Lord. And I think of other ladies I know who are in their 80s and even 90s. They're still doing something at their church to serve the Lord. My point is, serve the Lord while you still can. Verse 5. Jesus said, While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes. And he said, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So we went away and washed and came back seeing. Here's the next lesson Obey God in order to be healed. What would have happened had this man not gone to the pool of Siloam and washed? I don't think he would have been healed. And you know, you might be saying, God, why haven't you healed me yet? Why haven't you set me free from this yet? Well, maybe it's God's response is, I told you to do this one step, and you're refusing to do it. I mean, for instance, uh, let's say that you have a pornography problem. And God, I've asked you to help me stop doing this, and why haven't you? Well, he's maybe saying First, you need to go to the pool of Siloam. You need to join that accountability group where you meet with other people every week to talk about your porn problem. Or maybe uh, you've had this physical disease and God, why haven't you healed me of this? Well, maybe God is saying, because I told you to go to the pool of Siloam. You've got to do James chapter 5, get the anointing with oil from the elders of your church. That's the, I, I said this to a guy yesterday. That's the one thing we're told to do. Don't skip that. You know, Or maybe uh, you've, you've got uh, a, a drug problem or a drinking problem, and Lord, I've asked you to help me with my alcoholism. Why haven't you? Well, because I've told you to go to the Pool of Siloam. Join a Christian Victorious group or an Alcoholics Anonymous group, but there's a step often for you to take before God heals you. Years ago when I was a young pastor and did not know what I was doing, there was a a person who finally agreed to get some help with his drinking. So I was I was told by the senior pastor to drive over pick him up and take him across town to the counselor. Well I got to the guy's house and he was very big and he's roaring drunk and I would not do this again but I didn't know what I was doing so I put him in my car to drive him across town. While we're driving he just gets weird and he grabs my face and he kisses my cheek and while we're driving he says you know I could kill you right now and he starts talking about killing me (laughs) and I'm driving wondering is this my last car ride? Finally it was a long drive we got to the psychologist and I uh, we put him into the psychology immediately the psychologist called the authorities had the guy committed well so what happened the guy never did get help He just got out and went back to his drinking. Periodically, he'd call me, trying to get money out of me or the church, and I said, no, but Gary, are you getting help with your drinking problem? And he just wouldn't, and he wouldn't. And this went on for, I think, years. Well, the last thing I heard about him, they found him dead in a ditch. And maybe you won't get your healing that God wants to give you until you take that one step of obedience that he's been telling you to do. let's look at verse 8 therefore the neighbors and those previously who saw him as a beggar were saying is not this the man who used to sit and beg others are saying this is he while others are saying nobody's like him the man kept saying I am the one so they were saying how then were your eyes open and he said the man who was called Jesus made clay anointed my eyes and said to me go to Siloam and wash I went away I washed and I received my sight here is the last lesson use your healing as your testimony that's what this man is doing I mean you know it's kind of awkward to just bring God up in the conversation and say to your friend are you saved or what that's a little awkward you know what makes it easier Use your testimony, use your healing as your testimony. You know, my wife and I were having marital problems. We started going to church. We started getting some counseling. We started praying together. Wow, our marriage is better. I mean, that's the kind of thing people listen to. We've had people on this show. I can think of this former prostitute who now has a ministry helping women out of prostitution. She got born again and saved. You can't but help listen to her story. She's got such a great story. So what this man did and what I encourage you to do, just talk to people about what God has done in your life. That's maybe the most powerful way you can lead people to Christ. Well, let's close now. I just wanna say this, God is a God of healing. Sometimes he heals you by taking you home to heaven because God is glorified through death, but probably he wants to heal you today Is there one step of obedience that he wants you to take? Amen.
2: Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, can we go a little further about some of the things you've been talking about in your sermon today? You know, I've heard people who say that God never gives someone a sickness, only the devil does. Mm -hmm. Is that true?
1: No, it's not true. Now, you do have, I'll give you two verses that that are on that side. Jesus heals a woman who was bent over and he said, Should I I have not done this on the Sabbath, this woman whom Satan has bound for 18 years? So there's an instance where Satan was, had a hand in that illness. And it also is, it says in the book of Acts, Jesus went around healing and doing good to those who were oppressed by the devil. So sometimes Satan can have a hand in your uh, a disease. On the other hand, Jackie, in the Old and New Testament, sometimes God himself hit someone with catastrophe. Pharaoh, the plagues, mm-hmm. Satan had to get permission from God before he could touch Job. And sometimes, I mean, in, in, it says in, in the book of Acts, when Herod the king was being evil, the angel of the Lord struck him. So sometimes God does strike people with illness. The Bible teaches that. And I hear these faith preachers all diseases from the devil, God never does that. Have you read your Bible? Yeah.
2: You said that there sometimes is a connection between sin and sickness. How does one know if your sickness is a result of sin?
1: Mm-hmm. I would say, Jackie, if it's a clear link, you, again, if, if you were to get drunk tonight and have a hangover the next morning, there's something going on there. There's a connection. Somet- you know, but, Jackie, here's the other thing. When I get sick, it's not necessarily because I sinned, but I still pray, Lord, are you trying to teach me something here? Did I do something that you're trying to chasten me about? And and you know what? It's good when God chastens us. It's for our health that he chastens us. So if God does give you a disease to turn you around, that's his love that does that, Okay.
2: Pastor Brock, what do you think about faith healers? You didn't really talk about them and...
1: Well, you know, I believe in healing. It's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I believe there's certain people that have that gift. And so we believe that God can heal a day and he does, and certain people have the gift of healing what I don't like Jackie if I can find it Jackie I have prayed over this handkerchief and if you will send 995 my faith will go from the hanky lay it on your bodily part you know there's one place in the Bible Acts 19 where it says handkerchiefs were taken from the Apostle Paul put on the sick and they were healed so I'm not saying it can't happen but Paul wasn't using it as a money-making scheme. So I believe in faith healing. I believe in the gift of healing. But just be careful. I mean, I, don't, I won't name him, but there's one guy on TV, a Christian evangelist, who just bilks the poor with this kind of thing.
2: Yeah, we've gotten some letters and things I like that. I know those letters, too. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, so what... What do you think about faith healers, though? Is is there legitimate faith healers? Yes,
1: yes, and here's what I would say, Jackie. If somebody is watching the show and you're sick, do James chapter five. If anyone is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will save the sick man. So the New Testament way of doing this, you go to your pastor, pastor, can I have an elder or two pray over me and anoint me with oil? And some churches do it every week at the the altar. People can come up and get that. And if your church doesn't do that, find a church that does, but I think that's important.
2: So are you saying that's what a Christian should do if he's sick or is there things
1: pre... Again, Jackie, you know how cheap I am. Why spend $10,000 on a doctor without first doing what God tells us to do in James chapter five? Again, I'm I'm healed in my neck. I'm almost 100% healed in my back. I'm glad I didn't spend $10,000 on a doctor first.
2: Okay, Pastor Tom, as long as we're talking about the anointing of oil, is it all right to get the anointing of oil more than once? Yeah, it never- I mean, doesn't that
1: seem like you're not trusting? No, it never says you can only do this once. In fact, Jesus healed a guy once, and he said, what do you see? I think he, the man said, I see men looking as, walking like trees. And Jesus did it again, and so it was a two-step healing. So sometimes God heals in steps. And I don't think anything's wrong with getting anointing with oil a number of times.
2: OK, well, I know of someone who has a brain tumor who has gotten the anointing with oil, and now she's dying. I know. Could it be that it's because of her lack of faith that, that happened?
1: I, I I know who you're talking about and she's a sweet christian woman who loves the lord and she's gotten the anointing with oil they recently had a prayer meeting at the church just for her and god still might pull her out of it and give her a healing on the other hand jackie the ultimate healing is death and and, and i've said this to people when we get to heaven we're going to say why did i scratch and claw to try to stay down there <laughs> And I, I think that's true for her. wonderful Christian woman gone through a lot of pain. When she gets to heaven, I think she'll say, why did I try so hard to stay down there?
2: That was one of my questions that I was going to ask you, Pastor Brock, <laughs> is if actually can death be a form of healing?
1: I think it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: So, Pastor Brock, is it okay for a Christian to take medications? I mean, I guess if we're trusting in God to be our ultimate healer, mm. why would we need medicine?
1: There's a cult. It's not a Christian church. It's neither Christian nor scientific, but it's called Christian science. And the Christian science teachers that you don't use medicines, etc. cetera. And uh, no, we use medicine. Christians use medicine. Why? Luke, who wrote the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, he was a doctor, it says. And Paul says to Timothy, take a little wine for the sake of your frequent stomach ailments. He's telling him to take his medicine. So nothing's wrong with it. You know, God can heal miraculously. God can heal through medicine too.
2: Okay, a big tough question. Mm-hmm. We see so many people suffering and everything and some of them are wonderful Christian people with a real faith in God. And if God does love us, why does he allow us to go through suffering?
1: That's kind of the hardest question anybody can pose to a Christian if your God is so loving why do we have rape, wars, murder, abortion, pornography why do we have neat people with horrible painful cancer and I again Paul says, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 now I know in part then heaven I shall understand fully so I don't think we totally know the answer to that but I will say this sometimes because God loves me he allows me to have an illness I mean, if he sees that I'm wandering from the Lord and my soul is in trouble, and he gives me something difficult to bring him back to himself, because he loves me, he allowed the illness.
2: Pastor Brock, can you talk a little bit about Christian scientists? Mm -hmm. Because they have a whole ministry that's built
1: on healing. Yeah. and The Christian science cult, I'll call it that. It is a cult. Founded by Mary Baker Eddy. They, it's not just on, on medicine that they're off. Uh, their Jesus is kind of a new age Jesus. He's not the Jesus of the New Testament. Um, but they, they have Christian science practitioners. They'll come and pray for you at the, at the hospital or, or to your home. And that's good. I would do that too. But they, they believe sin and sickness do not really exist. Those things are, are figments of your imagination. Well Jackie, if sin doesn't exist, why did Jesus die on the cross? That's where Christian science breaks down. So that that's the Christian science
2: I know of a case where the people were Christian science and refused to have their child treated. I know. And this child deteriorated to death because of not getting medical help.
1: I know. And it's because you need to start thinking right. This disease does not exist. My daughter is not sick. You know, that's, that's, it's crazy.
2: Well, but they refuse to allow the medical help that that child needed. Mm -hmm. And yet, as parents, do they have the right to do that through the Christian science?
1: Uh, I don't know in America if they, I think there have been cases for Jehovah's Witnesses too. They don't, Jehovah's Witnesses won't do blood transfusions. Right. And I think there have been cases where the courts have forced them, that child's getting a transfusion.
2: Pastor Brock, we've only got about a half a minute okay. left, and we just want to thank you for supporting this ministry over the past 26 years. Yep. Hard to believe my hair was a different color and 26 years ago, and I was <laughs> going to say that, and you just <laughs> But anyhow, we really appreciate your love and your support and your prayers, and we couldn't do it without you, and we just want to thank you for being there, And we thank you for sharing. Look at our website, share it with people. That's where they can see our shows for free. Thanks for being with us. And we pray that God would be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next week.
0: Thank you for watching the pastor study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry?